Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Welcome back, queens. We have Dr. Anna Roby, and she is on a mission to help athletes know their bodies and how to feel them for optimal health and performance. So she speaks our kind of language, Mm -hmm. Kara. As the only combined PhD registered dietitian in the world with all Ivy League degrees specializing in sports performance nutrition, Dr. Anna understands how training, nutrition, and recovery impact biomarkers and athletic performance. She is the chief research officer of Athlete Blood Test and works with athletes, scientists, and coaches to progress sports performance research. And she also is, is a dog mom, I can hear, <laughs> and help athletes achieve their best. Dr. Anna also enjoys working with clients through her private practice where she helps athletes feel happy and confident by leveraging their physiology and nutrition to achieve what they never thought was possible. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. Well, let's get into it. You have quite the background. Can you share with us your career path and what made you interested in this specific area? Yeah, it's definitely been a journey for sure. So I've always been an athlete. I started in gymnastics when I was three, and I've always been involved in sports ever since. I just enjoy being active, and it's always felt good for me. And I didn't start to get interested in nutrition, I would say, until late high school, early college. And my freshman year of college, we had to write a 10-page paper about our dream job, and I chose a sports dietitian because I thought, what a cool job um, to kind of get into how foods affect your body, and then as an athlete, how that can improve or impact your performance. So in doing research for this paper, I realized that I had to become a registered dietitian, and I didn't even know what that was. And it turns out that I had to get bachelor degree with a didactic program and dietetics or DPD program. And there are only a handful in the country. And so the school I was at did not have one of those programs. So I had to make the decision if I wanted to stay where I was and I was really happy there or to transfer. So I decided, you know, don't give up what you want most for what you want now. So I made the leap and I transferred out East and I studied nutrition at Cornell University, and I absolutely loved it. It was a really good fit for me, and they also have a graduate program that is the combined doctoral and registered dietitian internship, so you can do those simultaneously. And I applied with, you know, a lot of hope. It was kind of a pipe dream because they only accept one person per year for the program. And so I was, yeah, I was thankful and lucky enough that I did get that position. And so um, I started my doctoral work and then my second year kind of took a break and did my clinical rotations and supervised practice hours to become a registered dietitian. And then I went back to campus and kind of 
conducted more research, finished up my studies and my doctoral work at Cornell. And then afterwards, I transitioned to do some research at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. So I was living in Washington, D.C., which was really fun for a while. And then I transitioned into more private practice and working with athlete blood tests, specializing with athletes, which is my absolute dream. So it's been it's been quite a journey, but really fun. And I've learned things along the way. Well, and you're pretty good company. Uh, let's see, did Wendy Sterling do that same program and Clint Wattenberg? Yes, I yes, I know Clint. We were at Cornell at the same time, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, those are big some names. Of, yeah big yes, name sir. dietitians, and now we got a third one to add to it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. So with this journey, you decided to create this research emphasis on looking at athlete blood biomarkers and tests around specifically performance. Tell us how you got into that. What were some of the things that you learned? And then obviously now as kind of the clinical director, where is this program taking you? Yeah, so it's definitely been, you know, a steep learning curve. It's hard when you're doing research and you're kind of progressing the field. There isn't a whole lot to look to (laughs) as you're forging the path. So you're like, is this right? Are we doing the right things? So I actually, I did not start athlete blood tests personally. It started back in 2007 when there were a few professional triathlon coaches who approached our founder, Dr. Garrett Rock, with a problem. And that was that their athletes were consistently getting blood tests where the results were outside of the normal ranges. And everyone from their primary care physicians, training staff, and coaches, they all had an opinion about the meaning of those results. And so they asked Dr. Rock to add his opinion because he had years of experience working with endurance athletes. And that got Dr. Rock interested kind of in what was going on here. And so, you know, we were wondering, like, did all of these professional athletes really have abnormal results? Or is it that what is normal for the general population doesn't really apply to athletes? And so we started conducting research and and it started with, you know, five women and five men were professional athletes and started doing a bunch of tests, collecting blood, urine, metabolites, you know, salivary hormones. And over time, we started to see trends emerge from this elite group. We noticed what was important, what's not, and how each of them was different. And so over more and more time, we've added a lot of different athletes from a wide variety of sports, and we have even more trends because we've, you know, worked with thousands of athletes. And the biggest things that we've noticed was that the normal or ideal ranges for certain biomarkers aren't normal or ideal for athletes. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the population-based insights and recommendations don't necessarily facilitate performance gains. So in English, basically, athletes are different from the general population, and each athlete is unique. And to meet their goals, they need to have data and insights that are tailored to their individual physiology rather than just being kind of lumped in with the general population. So that's kind of how athlete blood tests started. So it was a really kind of cool, organic evolution of how this problem evolved into now being able to work with athletes of all different stages. You know, we don't just work with elite and professionals. We have age groupers, people doing, you know, 5Ks. Anytime you're consistently moving your body, then your body is going to be changing based on what you're asking it to do. 
And therefore, the blood test you are looking for then outside the norm for that specific athlete? Yes. Yeah. So, and there's, when you look at an athlete blood test report, we give you kind of the standard ideal range. And so this is for the general population. So people who are sedentary, and then you have an athlete ideal range, and you'll see the difference between the two. So let's say iron, for example, if you go to the doctor and you get your iron tested, they might say, oh, you know, Carrie, your iron's perfectly normal in the healthy range. And that might be true if, you know, you're just kind of going about your day to day you know, going to work, sitting, driving, that sort of thing. But if you're training, that iron isn't necessarily going to be able to help you reach that, you know, full potential mm-hmm. and be supporting your training. Uh, she, yeah, you're speaking my like as somebody that really kind of specializes in reds, I always talk about how like nutritional deficiencies can create metabolic tax, meaning yes. that sometimes the body has to work that much harder to do the work and it contributes even more to energy deficit. And so we see more symptoms of low energy availability. So we need to be more proactive with checking these blood biomarkers mm-hmm. to protect our athletes. Wow. Absolutely. And that's something that we tend to see with a lot of athletes and female athletes, especially is, you know, some red flags with energy availability. And as you know, there isn't like a specific, you know, biomarker that is going to diagnose reds, but we can start to see trends or clusters of biomarkers that are out of the ideal range for athletes that can be indicative of low energy availability. Wow. I'm having a bit of a brain explosion over here about... (laughs) Yeah, that makes so much sense. So how would this work within an athlete's training plan and overall health? What's nice about the the blood testing is that it really complements your training plan and can give you sort of a roadmap or a snap picture of where an athlete is in terms of their health. So what we can do is we can look at the blood and see how is your body responding to your training volume, your training load, and the nutrients that it's getting from what you're eating on a daily basis. So, you know, if you have a specific training plan, we look and see, you know, your body's handling your training really well. You're, you know, good to go if you want to step it up a notch, increase training volume or intensity. Otherwise, with some athletes, we'll see your body is really struggling to recover. Things aren't going well. So it might be advantageous to dial it back a little bit. So it gives you a gauge in terms of how your body is handling the training as well as your nutrition. You know, if you're low in certain nutrients, then we obviously want to be increasing those, and it can give you specific foods to focus on to try to get those nutrients into those ideal ranges so that you're feeling and performing better. Mm-hmm. I just, it blows my mind. It, recently, I did a, a presentation about how, like, we get so focused on performance indicators that there's hardly anything that focuses primarily on athlete health. And I think that's Mm kind of what this blood test is saying. Like, you can't perform your best if you're not of optimal health. And sometimes athletes are going to need additional health markers for them to perform their best. It's just, it always blows my mind how far we're lagging in some of this research. Like you said, you didn't have a whole lot to go off of, but, you know, athletes are humans, which means they have human health needs too. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's what's getting in the way of them being able to optimally perform. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see a shift in that because in the past, there was certainly a discrepancy between like, okay, well, here's what you have to do for performance. And then your health is over here, right? They're, they're two distinct goals. But now I think we're starting to 
understand and really emphasize that in order to be a successful athlete, you need to have a healthy body and have a health as your foundation. And on top of that, that's where you're going to get your optimal performance. So I come in as an athlete and then you would, how would I get like an athlete blood test? Like, yeah, it's really nice and convenient. So if you go, you order the test online, just athletebloodtest.com. And we have a few different blood tests that they can purchase. And we now have a female specific one that we're really excited Mm. about called ABT She. And that's our initiative to support women in sports and really work with women and their menstrual cycle to give them sort of tailored nutrition and training around whatever their unique physiology is showing. So you order the blood test online and then you can go to any lab corp lab to get your blood tested. And if you just, you can enter your zip code on the website and it'll give you a list of the closest labs, but they're all over the country. There are thousands of locations. And so you just go in, get your blood drawn, and then you'll get an email and then, you know, you can log into our portal and get your test results and kind of see the data. And then the report is in there as well. So So it's really easy. Normally you don't have to have an appointment. Now I think some labs are requiring appointments just because of COVID. But typically, you know, you could just walk in, get your blood and, you know, walk out. It's less than 10 minutes. So it's very convenient in terms of getting it done. Just on a, for kind of just a wrap up on this, can you give us an example of where maybe an athlete had gotten their labs done at a primary care physician, but then when you looked over them, you were like, "Mm, this is not ideal for you. And maybe some of the symptoms they were having. Yeah. So one of the most common ones that comes to mind is iron. If you look at, you know, what a quote unquote normal or healthy iron is for the general population, it's quite a bit lower than what you would need for an athlete, especially like an endurance athlete or a runner. And they're starting to feel fatigued or pretty weak. And doctors kind of like, well, your iron is fine. Like, I'm not sure why you're Mm -hmm. feeling so fatigued when, you know, if they're training 10 hours a week or something, they're going to be using a lot of iron. And so they tend to feel, you know, just overall tired, kind of not as strong. And, you know, once we realize that and get, get their iron levels up, then they're like, oh, wow, I feel so much better. And what's interesting is I see a lot of athletes who they come to me and they don't necessarily think that they're symptomatic. They're like, well, I feel pretty good. And then we get their, you know, biomarkers up into those ideal ranges and they say, wow, I feel so much better. I didn't even realize that I was Mm -hmm. fatigued or that I was feeling weak. And so I think we kind of get used to this subpar normal and we forget that you know we could be feeling a lot better definitely that's a good example i was kind of thinking about asking her to do kind of like a case study for that like so that that's helpful when again you need the right <laughs> again the specialty of sports dietetics and personalized medicine, personalized medicine is uh kind of helpful. So that's helpful information. Thank you. Yeah, and I I was just going to say that, you know, doctors their job is to keep you healthy. And so in their eyes when they look at your your numbers or your biomarkers, you are healthy. And so their job is not to help you PR. And sure. so, you right. know, I, I tell athletes, like, like don't be upset with your doctor like they're not trained to look at the same things that we're looking at. And so they're doing their job, but we just have a different focus. We're not looking for disease 
we're looking for ways to optimize your health and performance as an athlete. Great point. Yeah, Good definitely. Point. We'll be sure to put all this information in the, the show notes, but we, we always have to wrap up every interviewee with how do you live out the fit philosophy, trying to balance performance, health, intellect, and some time for self? I love this question. So <laughs> I would say there's things that I do to really embody the, the fit philosophy. And the first thing is to practice gratitude. And I just think that it is so helpful for shifting your mindset. And so whether you write it down or you're just thinking about it, practicing gratitude every day. The second thing is to journal. I think that giving yourself that space to really write out your thoughts can give you a lot of clarity and perspective. And then the third thing I like to do is take my dog for a walk in the evenings when I'm done with work and everything. It's a nice time to just get outside for some kind of easy movement. And that's usually when I listen to podcasts too so ah and my fit my fit time <laughs> your fit time oh, oh you just made our day plug. <laughs> okay oh well thank you so much for chatting about this again i am like i'm thinking and it's i think kara's already I'm putting like, her order in right now <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, i love the science look look at all of me and tell me what's wrong so again amazing work you're doing and thank you for being on and chatting about everything my pleasure. Thanks so much for all you two do and kind of supporting the community and moving this area forward. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on. Bye, Queens. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fit queen and Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.